Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Grid and Grace Leadership Talks with myself Kate Taylor and I'm very excited to share with you um, this episode with someone who's very important in my life at the moment in business. I've got Danny Godfrey oh, here. Okay. Uh, she is my business development manager and friend who we've known in recruitment for many years now um, and what connected us together was through the work I do as an UK ambassador. So I came and spoke at her workplace um, about five years ago now and now she's working for me. So that's really exciting. Thanks, We Danny. always knew this was going to happen. The stars <laughs> needed to align. But... I know the timing was never always quite right, but we finally found it. Yes. So thank you for the intro. Yeah, it's been great to um, connect with you and um, obviously have you more in my world every day mm. um, from being, you know, peers in recruitment and business and leadership. Um, and also, like, we've obviously recruited in different industries and sectors, mm -hmm. um, but we we have a lot of um, common things that we hear a lot of um, in our jobs as recruiters and HR executives um, that we feel it would be great to have a chat with you all today around mental health in the workplace and the impacts of that and how can you have a psychological safety workplace. I think for both of us, we have that lived experience lens as well as someone who's worked in HR and leadership for a long time. So I felt like it was great to bring it in on this one. So it's not just me talking to everyone um, on this. Um, but actually it was kind of came about this whole topic was when we were having a client meeting recently um, and we had a client who was asking us, um, you know, how do they deal with this situation with a staff member who has um, disclosed some lived experience in the role that they're doing and feeling triggered by the work they're doing. So um, we felt like it would be great to come from a HR lens, one, but also to come from some people who have got lived experience with mental health and what we found helps us um, and just raise that awareness and create that um, conversation where we can have that psychologically safe conversation around mental health and well-being in the workplace. So thanks, Danny, for joining us today. Um, and just started off with a bit of a lighter note. I just yeah. would love to know, because I know this is like a, a full on deep topic today. Yes. Um, I would love to know what you do in your morning routine, any rituals you have that help you um, come from a place of clarity and strong mental health to go about your day. Yeah, most day I woke up and it's just hope and caffeine. <laughs> No, um, definitely the caffeine. But for me, I um, as soon as I wake up, I set an intention for that day. Okay. Um, to really just ground myself, take a few deep intentional breaths, and be present in the moment. Yeah. Um, and that could be, you know, my intention could be having a joyful experience yeah. or a meaningful experience with everyone that I come across. Okay. Um, most days I, I like to sit outside and drink my coffee in the morning and get my sunlight in the morning. Yes. Uh, thank you, Andrew Huberman. <laughs> and um, my skincare routine. Okay. That's something for me. I do morning and night. Me too. Yes. And okay. it just makes me feel... Feel good, doesn't feel it? Feel good, feel glowy, ready to tackle the world. <laughs> yes. That's why we have such great skin. Absolutely. I knew it. There was something... <laughs> No, I love that. And I think it's, um, yeah, even being intentional, like when I was putting on my face cream last night, mm -hmm. I was being very intentional to like not just rush the process but actually like feel it in my skin and being really present in that and like seeing it as like a form of self-care and, yes. and looking after me. And yeah. I felt like um, it's just such a nice way to end the day. It's almost like a little massage and treatment for your face. 
Yeah, you can go one step further and get a gua sha, and it's like a little massage on the face. Oh, is that that little crystal thing that you put? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, put I, have my, one. I keep mine in the fridge so it's nice and cool and oh. deep puffs. Good for the morning when you wake up puffy. Okay, I'll think of that. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew you're getting makeup packs today as well? Here all week. And could you tell us a little bit about your career path? And like, obviously, we all kind of fall into recruitment generally through a roundabout way. Um, so I'd love to know what got you into recruitment mm. and how you started out and where you are now. Yeah. If I had a dollar for every time I heard I fell into recruitment, I wouldn't be working in recruitment <laughs> <laughs> anymore. Um, I fell into recruitment when I was temping for Action Workforce. Okay. Um, on their desk as a receptionist oh. before a trip to Hawaii. And I remember looking back in the office and it was a blue-collar temporary labour hire business and the phones were going nuts and it was all happening. And I, I remember thinking to myself, I'm never, ever <laughs> going to work in recruitment. Looking years later. Ten years. <laughs> I'm 15 years now. Far out. Yeah. So when I came back from Hawaii, the um, branch manager, Blair Barry Jones, called me, offered me a position as a consultant, and the rest is history. I, wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got into account management at Zoom Recruitment where I was dealing with a lot of um, EBAs, awards, and industrial yeah. relations. So that's where my passion for HR and industrial relations ah, um, really comes from. Yeah. 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 Okay. So then I enrolled and started studying then. Oh, wow. That's amazing. And um, you've gone from being a cons like receptionist to consultant to then um, what you did, account managing, was it? And then branch manager, branch manager and a business development manager. So you've you've really done a variety of roles. And I think it's the same as me. Like I started at the bottom um, mm -hmm. and worked my way up yeah. um, in recruitment. And I think that's the best managers because we actually understand all the roles that we're asking our staff to do. We're asking... We, every role, every task we ask people to do, we could do it ourselves, yeah. but it's not the best use of our time. So yes. it's about looking at where we can delegate and where we can work as a team. And I think um, that's something that um, I always respect managers who have worked their way up in the field, especially when I was starting out, I looked up to them. So I hope that people do that with us. But um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely something we strive to do. And I guess um, we can come from that place of understanding or clarity around what their tasks are based on our experience which always helps yeah, um, yeah so that's great and it, and, and it enables us to be able to provide the best coaching or situational leadership yes as well to our staff exactly and I think um it's about adapting obviously we've had to do that through COVID yes. um we have <laughs> seen lockdowns um you know restrictions change at last minute the highs and lows of managing and motivating staff yeah. during that time as well motivating ourselves and motivating ourselves yeah. to show up the best we can be i remember in lockdown you know just feeling like um you know like just stuck inside all the time just in your house and so actually making that effort to in the mornings go for that walk and get that exercise in before transitioning to a work day yeah. um, and getting dressed for work like as if i'm going to work i just found really helped me yeah. um feel like i was separating work and home a little bit yeah. Um, but yeah, that was a whole journey in itself. And I guess, um, that's kind of led us to where we are now in 2023 and looking at, um, how there's been some new laws come in recently around psychological safety in the workplace. I've had a lot of clients, um, and candidates asking me about that. 
Um, and as well, being an ambassador for RUK, um, I felt like it was really good for us to have a chat about this um, and what advice we would give people because mm-hmm. I feel like um, people are still unsure on yes. how to do this well in the workplace. And obviously we haven't got it all mastered yet, but we are happy <laughs> to share our ideas and suggestions that we've given to other people in that experience. Yeah, yeah. And just on, you know, off the back of what you've just said there, but I know like me and I'm an employment lawyer. This is based off my experience and um, knowledge as a HR professional. So if you do need to get legal experience, please go and do that. Yes. <laughs> um, but based off, you know, what I understand and, and what I've learned is that, yeah, um, Australian laws and regulations changed last year. So Safe Work Australia brought yep. in a new act back in 2022. Okay. And it's actually called Managing Psycho- Psychosocial Hazards in the Workplace. Okay. Now, the first thing that I would recommend for people to do is jump onto the Safe Work Australia government website so they can understand what a psychosocial hazard is. Tongue twister. (laughs) It is, it really is. Um, Because unlike other, you know, risks from a WHS standpoint, some of them aren't tangible. Okay. So it's really important that you understand, you know, what what it is what it looks like so you can assess and apply it to your workplace absolutely yeah. put contingencies in place yeah mm-hmm. um so what else can we do to promote a psychological yeah i think is that that's yeah. probably what we need to discuss here yeah yeah, yeah. um promote yeah and, and, well i think encouraging open communication amongst your team yes an inclusive environment where your employees yeah. feel safe yeah and how do we know if our employees feel safe, do you think, in the workplace? Like what, what shows us that they feel safe to, um, to tell us if there's something wrong? And what have you seen in your experience? I tend to, it's difficult for me because I tend to get people to open up quite easily. Yeah, because me too. Because I'm um, a very vulnerable person when myself when it comes yes. to my team. You know, I think that makes a great attribute as a leader when you're leading from the front and um so my you know you you yourself are great at this as well you'll come in and say hey i've got this x y and z's going on today so that's why i'm not feeling my bubbly self yes um so those connections yeah those type of things are going to help you to build a connection with your team to help them to open up to you if you find that they're not yeah because i feel like um yeah, you can do different things in your week, but the one feedback we get um, on as an AUK ambassador mm. is that people um, feel like AUK day is just the day, and it's then and it's a tick box exercise, and they feel like their managers don't show any support or empathy or care, mm. and so they're like, why would we tell them our problems when they don't care about us at yeah. all and in their actions? Um, and so I think really, um, you know. If you want your staff to feel safe, then you need to create that space. And I think uh, for me, I've always been very, like Danny said, that vulnerability around um, how I'm going on a given day with what's going on personally or professionally. Um, You know, some days are just heavy. And actually saying to your team, guys, this is going to be a hard one for me this week or this is going to be a lot going on. I need you guys to have my back. Actually gives them permission as well to step in and jump in and help you because, how can they know what you, they they don't want to step on your toes either? And so, how can they support you if you don't 
tell them what you need. And I've even been doing it more with my husband at home too lately with what's going on and yeah. just being like, hey, this is what I need from you right now. And yeah. like, this is the support I need. And I know not everyone is good at doing that. And I think it's as a culture, we need to get better at it. One way we've done it um, in Taylor Care is that I came up with the idea about doing a wellbeing check-in on a Monday morning. So uh, we discuss as a team, um, we go around the group um, and just say out of 10, how's our overall mental health? So, you know, five out of 10, eight out of 10, whatever it is. And then um, what are we doing for that week for our mind, body and soul? So we have to think of at least one thing. And this has been interesting because at least it gives you a little bit of a a snapshot of what that person's going through and um, how they're feeling. So if they're normally an eight out of 10, and all of a sudden there are six out of 10, you want to know why. Yeah. And it might not be in the meeting that you ask them, but it gives permission for you to go, okay, you mentioned in the catch-up this week that you were feeling a six out of 10. Is there a reason for that? Usually I know the reason because people tell me everything. But if I don't, at least I can say, hey, what's happening for you this week? Yeah. And we just don't know what's going on in people's worlds. Um, even our know. employees, like our, you know, our staff, like, we don't know what they've gone through at home that week. We don't know um, if their marriage is on the rocks, if they've gone through financial stress. time at the moment yeah. for everyone. Like we don't know um, what is going on in their worlds. Um, you know, remembrance of a loved one, like, you know, Memorial Day or an annual day for something that triggers them. Like I had recently, like, you know, it's really important to like be sensitive to that. And we can't know it all because people don't always tell us. Um, but in those wellbeing check-ins, as you found, even when I've not been here and you've done it, um, staff have opened up to you, right, and told you stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another great way to showcase this um, is uh, when it comes to workplaces, yeah. you've seen it all as recruiters. I've seen it all. <laughs> Good and bad. And the one thing that all successful, successful companies or teams had in common was their leadership team were well-oiled machines. So they okay. really lead from the front quite well and lead by example. Um, and they're approachable. One particular example I want to use is, and I've got permission from Youth Insert, shout out to you, James, um, <laughs> to use this and I picked up on this. Something they do really, really well and um, – I'm going to read from this so I don't, so I get it exactly right. I don't want to misinform anyone. Um, and they have a personal situation plan um, alongside their professional development plan. Yeah. So this means um, to support people to stay at work and to navigate challenges that they have through day-to-day life. And this is going to be owned by the employee. Okay. Like a normal one-to-one would be. So you manage your first escalation point. Yep. You come to them, point out and say, you know, I'm going through anxiety or perhaps someone's had a change in medication and yep. something like that. And um, then it's up to the manager to go and, and review that workload and that plan to support. That. support. Yeah, okay. so that person, you know, or said employee still can show up to work because sometimes I think, you know, work, if it's a safe environment, can be a place for people to come to escape whatever it is that's going on at home. Yeah, definitely. And it can be that safe landing space for them to come and feel like they're doing something that's practical or that's working. Yeah. It gives them a sense of achievement achievement and um, just that they're contributing to to this world. Yes. A sense of agency. Yeah, I love that. And um, so... 
they are very practical. I know youth and search as a plan of ours, um, about supporting their teams with the highs and lows of life, whether it's sick kids or what have you. Um, and you gave the example of, um, one of the manager there when he's, um, kids get sick, he's able to step back and contact his upline, his CEO, and they're able to cover for each other. And yeah. And I think that's so important because I feel like as an executive team, mm. the higher up you get, the more responsibilities you have in the workplace and in home oh, yeah. and generally have large mortgages or high pressure. Yeah. So you're trying to do it all. And I think the one thing that I've identified recently is that, um, you know, compared to when our parents were working mm. in the workforce, um, <laughs> showing um, age a little, but, you know, um, to now, like, Back then, there were no mobile phones. They would they would log in and log out at a certain time. They'd leave the office, and that was it for the day. They couldn't be contacted to the next day. But the problem with our life now is that we are on twenty four seven. So how do we um, sustain well being, mental health, balance, uh, all of that, yeah. while we are constantly in a society where we're on? Again, that starts from the front. So I'll provide an example of when I worked at Express Employment Professionals. Our CEO, Arthur McCall um, of ANZ, the frontline group in Express, wouldn't did, like wouldn't allow us to send emails like after six pm. Okay, we didn't send internal emails to each other, or we'd schedule it. You know, Outlook has that now because that's uh, personal time. Wow, okay. and respect that personal time, and that came from. Our top. CEO at the top, setting wow. setting that boundary of that this is my time, but this is also your time. Wow. Obviously, if you know if something was on fire and the world was ending, you pick up the foreign text, whatever. But yeah, yeah. If it didn't need to be sent after six p.m., then it got, waits till tomorrow. It's scheduled till tomorrow. Respect. That's a really good yeah. um, idea. Um, I've never thought to do that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, On the flip side then, I've also, you know, worked for someone before who has sent me a, an extremely abusive teams at 9.30pm because I didn't do something he asked me. So, yeah, and how does that the make you feel? Side, um, anxious, anxious. I couldn't sleep. I didn't want to go to work the next day and face him because I felt like I, and it was as simple as he had asked me to pick up the phone Um However, the person I needed to call was overseas. The time zones weren't. He was asleep. Yeah. So I yeah. followed up with an email, but because I didn't pick up the phone, it was the world ended. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's the thing. It's like um, respecting each other's time and boundaries. And I think Absolutely. as an employer, um, I and it's different for everyone. I think you have a different relationship with different managers too. Like yes. um, obviously you and I know each other outside of work. So we have, uh, we'll often message each other, but it's more yeah. fun stuff yeah. at night. So it's like on um, Instagram, we'll send each other like a reel or a quote or something that resonates. Yes. And so it's not like work, work. It's... You're not yelling at me at 9.30 at night <laughs> on Teams when I'm trying to fall asleep. Yes, that's not great. No. And I think <laughs> often we're, if you... Um, it's great to send out um, emails if you are in that zone late at night, but I think as a manager, but it's like remembering that um, how are they going to show up when the team read that the next day? Like is it better to kind of draft it and not send it until the next morning or, um, you know, when's the best time to send that? Because sometimes when we're late at night, we can be tired and run down ourselves and so we sometimes we don't come across as well as we could. Yes. Um, so understanding that when you are going to be at your best, some people would get up early in the morning and do emails before 
everyone starts their day and gets them all out. And that's also another way. Yeah. I'm a night owl, so I'm happy to do nighttime emails. But like you said, it's good to remember as a manager, how is your team going to, if they happen to pick that up and read it before. Well, you can always schedule them now in Outlook, put a timer on it. So that uh, way that you draft it all up and then send it, say, for 8 a.m. the next morning. Yeah, that's a good idea. I need to, you need to show me how to do that. <laughs> and yeah, and it's just about coming together as a team, I guess. Um, the other thing we had was a client who came to us and was saying, look, um, you know, they're in domestic violence area and they have a refuge for women, an amazing service, and they kind of said to us, you know, um, how do we support someone who's come to, on board as a counsellor but who is openly um, telling us they've got lived experience in this area and um, they're finding the work quite triggering, right? And she'd come from HR in a different industry. So she she was kind of coming to us going like, how do I manage this as HR? Mm. And that's what kind of sparked this conversation, I think, and some of us th- saying how we need to get this out there and kind of showcase and explain to companies and people in business how they can support their teams better. Um, and obviously we don't have all the answers, but something we did say um, from my experience is actually, um, you know, being I actually appreciate when people are honest about their past and what might trigger them um, and actually being able to say, hey, Kate, this is something that I'm juggling with right now and being able to be that kind of sounding board, but then also asking them what it, what steps help them in dealing with that trigger. So do you have a self-care plan? Do you have, you know, a kind of a toolkit that you use? Um, okay, I call my psychologist or I go to my GP. You know, like what is it that you find helps you get back on track and after a trigger? And so some people aren't with triggers, as I've learned, um, with my own journey with mental health and anxiety as a teenager as well as in adult um in recent years with fertility challenges is um, knowing what what tools have helped me in the past. So if they're a bit stuck or just in the heat of the moment of that trigger, being able to say to them what things have helped you before. So um, it, then that can make them think back and go, actually, yeah, when I felt my best, I was seeing my psychologist regularly. I was exercising regularly. I was eating well. I was on my antidepressants. Like what is it that helps you? function and thrive through that yeah. uh, trigger. I think it's really important. I mean, what have you found has helped helped mm. you over the years? With myself personally or my, my staff? With yourself, like when you've had a trigger, mm-hmm. being in with your background, I don't know how much you want to share. Yeah, but- no, that's okay. Um, for me, it's been able to identify the feeling in my body when it's starting to come up. Yeah. Um, and then remove myself from the situation. So I've got ADHD and anxiety. So if I'm feeling um, a sensory overload, that there are too many people talking, there are too many lights, my sock feels funny, and I can feel a random pair on my face. (laughs) If you know, you know. Um, I remove myself and go into a quiet place and and take some, do some breath work. Um, I've had um headphones before that have been noise cancelling so as a recruiter I'd pop them on so I didn't hear anyone but it was funny because people would then often think I was on the phone and wouldn't bother me so that was a great (laughs) way to know people out but let them leave me alone so I could get some work done (laughs) but it's, it's it's a journey recognizing 
your triggers um, and and then learning how to self-soothe isn't something that is going to happen for you overnight. It's, no. it's trial and error with different therapists and um, different tools in your toolkit to have. And um, for you personally, I like, yeah, I think it's that mental health toolkit I feel like is the thing I know I've got. I've got, yes. you know, my PT, my um, psychologist, my Cairo, like I've got a mix of people that all come into play when life is getting intense mm-hmm. or just to maintain me to be at high performance level. So um, juggling that 24 seven um, of, of running a business, being a mum, doing it all. Um, I have these tools in place and I've ramped that up recently because I noticed that I had kind of stopped doing a lot of the things that were helping me feel better. Mm-hmm. And um, even just simple as t- having a morning green juice, like getting organic veggies, um, green, celery, spinach, um, ginger, lemon, uh, mango, just like putting it all into a smoothie uh, and drinking that on my way into work. Like I was, I've noticed the days I do that, mm. I feel so much better. And sometimes it's just simple as going back to what, when I felt my best yeah. or when I was thriving, what was I doing differently to what I'm doing now? And I think that's something that um, we can all <laughs> reflect on and yeah. kind of, remember to check in on ourselves um, because we can't be the best we can be if we're helping everyone else first. And I know in our industry that we recruit for social work, site counselling and management in a lot of disability providers, not-for-profits, you know, your work is so intense and you're always giving to everyone. Like like every staff member in your organisation is a giver and a carer because that's why they're in that field. And I think it's really important to remember that you have to, like on the aeroplane, put on your own life mask first before you put it onto the person next to you. And sometimes it takes people in your world, if you have a safe workplace where your staff or your manager can point out when you're not yourself or when you're not at your peak performance. And um, I've noticed, um, yeah, like I've had stuff over the years when I've been going through some heavy stuff and they know me well enough and I'm comfortable enough with me to say, hey, Kate, I think you need to book a session with your psych today, like for this week. And yeah. I'll be like, oh, I thought I was doing okay, but maybe I'm not. <laughs> and sometimes we need people in our world to be able to just pull us up yeah. and say, I care about you, but this is beyond my scope. Yeah. Can you go and get the help you need? Yeah. And I think um, that's really important to know. On like a, the back end of that. Yeah. One thing that people will say to me that actually triggers me and upsets me is, have you had your meds today? Oh. Now that's no. So yeah. you need to talk to your psych. I concur. I think that's a really great, you know, thing to do if you've got that relationship. But, yeah. oh, have you had your meds today? I would recommend as someone with uh, lived yeah. experience who does take medication for her ADHD and anxiety <laughs> to not say that to someone. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Um, yeah, what would be a better way they could say to someone if they were concerned in their team that they weren't themselves? If they do identify like yourself with ADHD or anxiety, yeah. mental health, what would you? What would be a better way to say that? First of all, um, pulling them into a room or a cafe somewhere where it's safe space to have that conversation, yeah. them safe space for them to open up. Yeah, um, and asking them like. I, are you okay? I've noticed some changes. And then further to that, listen with the intention of understanding them. Yeah. 
like a child who is curious in the playground, uh, <laughs> be curious to understand what it is that they are telling you and perhaps why. Yeah, that's a really good one. And then I think that kind of leads to the are you okay for steps, I think. Um, mm -hmm. So as an are you okay ambassador, we promote these four steps, which I'll run through with you now. Um, so you kind of mentioned two of them. So it's that asking are you okay in the right time and place, listening without wanting to respond. So listening without judgment, giving them that space to express themselves, um, encouraging action from there. So like, okay, what, like I said, what things have helped you feel better in the past? What support do you need right now? Um, how can I support you? Um, you know, there are all ways you can ask um, them to kind of get their brain thinking again. Okay, what do I need to do to help myself right now? Yeah. Um, and then checking in on them a week from then, you know, or a few days, whenever, trust your gut on that one because I feel like um, that people come to my mind at the time they need me to reach out. So I'll often someone will pop in my head when I read a quote and I'll just forward it to them. Or I'll send them a quick text, hey, thinking of you today, like how's everything going? Or I saw this reel and it reminded me of you, um, thought you might find this encouraging. And the amount of times I get people come back to me and go, Kate, that's exactly what I needed today. Mm. People that are like distant friends through connections on Facebook or LinkedIn, like they just come back to me and are like, wow, I needed that today. So don't overthink it. If someone pops in your head, just do a quick message or reach out or say, hey, can we have a coffee this week? Or yeah. we haven't seen each other for a while. Let's catch up. I think just people knowing that you're thinking of them and that you yeah. care just can make the world a difference, especially if they're in a hard time. Yeah, because if you are in a place of depression, you do, even though like logically, you know, there are all these people around you, but in that moment you feel like it's just you. So when yeah. you do get that gentle, you know, reminder, checking in yeah it's, it is lovely it's nice yeah I definitely think um it makes a difference and so yeah I've learned it's like listening to intuition yes. and when to do it and I think the more I've listened to that and action it the more I've seen it help people so the more I want to do it yeah. you know it's like a muscle right the more you're in tune to it the more you'll pick up on it yeah um and you know if you do come across someone that's exposing stuff that they're you know feeling suicidal or not feeling themselves be um, very proactive and giving them either your EAP support in your workplace mm. or giving them the phone numbers for like Lifeline 13 11 14, um, Suicide Callback, um, Kids Helpline, Beyond Blue, that all the numbers are on the back of these little cards that you can get from Are You OK? Um, so, and also jump on their websites because there's a lot of helpful links and articles that you can check out on there too. Well, I think, you know, by, by way of helping businesses to be more across the, this this topic um collaborating with mental health organizations such as are you okay day yeah. is a great way to do that and provide um provide your staff with training and upskilling on these topics um so, so that they're they're fully across it and another example of that is you know at, after this at 1 p.m i'm heading off to do a safe talk in surrey hills um to listen to training. a seminar their yeah, training seminar on suicide awareness and how to what to look out for what sites to look out for so definitely a great way to upskill your staff yeah the safe talks now the government is offering that um you can have someone come speak at your workplace um for free now they're doing this training it's a suicide um prevention training and awareness training 
I've done it as an IOK ambassador. So when I came up, I said to Danny, would you like to do it? Um, so she's going to go do that. There's also mental health first aid that you can do, which mm-hmm. I actually want to do that. I haven't done it yet. I want to do that um, as well. But, yeah, this great place to start and it kind of gets the momentum and the conversation happening. So um, definitely, um, you know, you might want to have someone in the workplace who is um, that mental health support person or wellbeing uh, coordinator or you can come up with all sorts of names um, but that people know they can go to them if they're having a rough time and just need a chat um, I think that's a really helpful way and then sending staff on training to also upskill and to feel more empowered about having these safe conversations having an EAP in place there's plenty out there yeah exactly and I think and using it encouraging your staff yeah. to use it I think yeah. it's so important and if you don't like the first one you speak to try another like think about your hairdresser oh, you didn't You've got to go with a few to get the right one. So don't be afraid to go and get that help and try a few out before you decide who you want to stick with. I think I've seen like something like eight psychologists before I got to my yeah. one that I've stuck with for three years now. Shout out Celine, she's amazing. But yeah. it's, it's trial and error. It is trial and error. And I think but there is help out there. There is help out there and you've just got to look for the right one that suits you. Um, so, and then to finish off today, what is your favourite quote that um, showcases that grit and grace and leadership in life that we portray in our work? Yeah. Uh, what would you say is a favourite quote? I wanted to keep this um, tied into like the work yes. <laughs> area and it's something that Arthur McCall, the CEO of Frontline Group and Express, said to me and it stuck with me. And I remind myself of this every day and what he said was, Danny, be who you are and do what you do and you'll always have a place here. So oh, I love that. What I remind myself is just be who you are yeah. and do what you do. Yeah. Because that's enough. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And I think I one of our, um, you know, vision board that we have with the quotes on it here, uh, one of the statements is that your unique style shine, you yeah. know, and it's like, because I, when I was coming up with those um, things for my business, my friend said, where you've excelled in your job, Kate, in the past is where people have let you be who you are and not tried to make you yes. be something you're not. And so, and it, and it empowering you to do that. Which and, comes back to allowing, creating a place where you can allow people to be themselves, their exactly. authentic selves. Exactly. And come as you are yeah. and, um, you know, together we'll get through whatever's happening. And I just think that that supportive place of work is so important. And like we've showcased, um, you know, youth and search are doing that really well. Uh, we're trying our best to do that too and other organisations. And I'd love to keep this conversation going about how you're applying um, psychological safety in the workplace and mental health wellbeing plans and what ideas you have. So please add that in the comments because um, we would love to hear about that and reach out to us if you would like to have a chat or um, talk through anything in particular around mental health and well-being because we are very pro pro in this topic as well as HR and recruitment practices to help our workplaces thrive around that. So thank you so much for your time today, Danny. We've really enjoyed our chat. Thank you. Thank and you for popping my podcast, Cherry. Yeah, your first <laughs> podcast. to say that. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I think it's great uh, to get um, different people in here to chat with me around different topics. So hopefully you found this helpful today. And thank you for coming on board and listening. Please share with all your colleagues, friends and family. We'd love to um, get the word out more. Thank you.
Thanks for watching and we look forward to hearing um, more amazing guests like Danny next week. So watch out for the next episode and um, please like and share with your co-workers and friends. We appreciate you and have an awesome day.